Check, check, check. Okay. Hello, everyone. This is Ari in the Air. Welcome back to the show. I'm so stoked you're here. Holy shit, man. Got so much to tell you. I'm sorry it's been so long, but my intention with this episode is by the end of it, you will understand why it's been so long, and you'll also be excited for the new lessons that I've learned, that I want to share with you, that I want to encourage you to find in your own life. So, just checking in, I am physically feeling quite well. I am in a hotel room in Moab, Utah. The temperature has plunged and we are out on this TV film production and it is taking a day off because of the weather. So, I'm going to catch you up on all of that, tell you some of what's been going on. This is going to be somewhat of a audio journal in a way and hopefully can distill some of the lessons, so let's distill some of the experience I've had recently into lessons. And hopefully that is something that can help you, whether that's just through entertainment of my own suffering neuroses and processes, or maybe something a bit more insightful. But either way, let's get right into it. So, as some of you may know, it was about 60 days ago that I came home from a camping trip and my girlfriend of three years had moved all of her shit out of our house and left a note. That was devastating, to say the very least. I was momentarily hysterical. And I knew in that moment... I had actually, on the camping trip, I had come to a pretty solid conclusion in my own mind and heart that our relationship needed to take some kind of change. I wasn't convinced that I knew exactly what that change was, but I knew that we needed some kind of space, some kind of disruptor. Uh, might be moving out of that house together. It might be moving into separate houses. It might be taking a break from dating each other. It might be breaking up entirely. But it seems like at that same time that she energetic felt energetically felt me having some kind of, how do I say, conclusion, epiphany, revelation. And she had a very powerful flight response and did not face me in it. So from Friday afternoon, we went from being a loving couple in conflict. We had been in a bit of a conflict around a couple of things in our relationships. We had a number of things come up in the month prior, but it didn't seem like something that we couldn't work through. Um, But there were definitely some elements stacking in our relationship, and it was kind of a shit-or-get-off-the-pot moment. We had been together for three years at that point, and it was kind of like, are we going to get married and get pregnant, or are we going to split up? I know that that sounds crazy to some of you, and um, there's a part of it that sounds crazy to me as well. But I think that deep down, I have a paternal desire. I have a desire to be a father and to be responsible and to have a partner. This is one of the lessons that I'm working through right now is combing through my own beliefs about my desires, my own beliefs about my self, how I am, 
what I am, what I want to be, who I want to be with, what is the shape of my relationships, what is my future trajectory, what is my gift to the world, what is my place in the world, what is mine to do, what is my work, what is my service, and who am I? feels good to say it out loud in general. That's a huge inquiry, and I feel like I'm just beginning to chip the tip off of the iceberg. So, girlfriend moves out. The very next day, I put in a 30 days notice to the house that I had lived in for nine years. Nine. Fucking nine years. My entire adult life as it feels. A place where I had had the vast majority of my marriage the home that my dog had had for her entire life. She's eight and a half or almost nine now. So her entire life she lived there. This is a place that my marriage, my divorce, and my relationship with Alicia all happened. This is the house that was the home base for me to travel across the world. It was the house that I lived in when I learned to highline. It was the house I learned to paraglide in. This was the home this was my home base. This was my fortress, my refuge from the outside world, from the chaos. This is how I insulated myself. This is how I kept myself sane. This is how I kept myself going. This is the kitchen in which I really developed my ability to cook and care for people. This is the kitchen where I reinvented how I understand my body, what it needs, how I feed it. This is the house in which I reinvented myself as a sexual partner. This is the house in which I reinvented myself as a partner. This is the house in which I broke down all of those notions and opened my relationship. A lot of shit. A lot of shit. As I moved out of this house, it became obvious that this was the hardest thing I would, that I had ever done. The metaphor of cleaning out the dark, dusty, dingy corners of your house is far too salient to ignore. I was cleaning out the dark, dingy corners of my life, of my heart, of my mind, my soul, my fucking psyche. So as I carried the furniture out piece by piece as I packed up all of my clothing as I packed up all of my kitchen shit it just fucking washed me away time and time again my entire life uprooted put into boxes put into storage my relationship broken my refuge gone my what what came up for me so powerfully was this feeling of belonging that was taken from me. It felt like it was taken from me. I kept noticing a conflation in my heart and my mind. I noticed a conflation between voluntarily moving out of the house and being evicted. It was like I was it felt like I was being evicted. It felt like I was being kicked out of there, that I didn't belong there, that I was being ran away from there. But in reality, I was an adult and I was moving. I had already paid the fucking mortgage for the place, so I figured that once I had bought it, it was time to move out and let my 
serfdom um, take hold. So, like I said, Sunday afternoon I get home, Alicia Shit's moved out, and I have a note that we're breaking up. Radio silence as well. She's blocked my phone number. Pretty drastic and jarring, whiplash, abandonment, all of these things. Monday, 30 days notice on the house that I've lived in for nine years. Tuesday, sign a contract to star in a TV show for Discovery Channel that I've been talking to the producers of for 18 months. Friday, in a relationship. Tuesday, my life has drastically changed and taken a completely different direction. Here I am. I'm almost 60 days to the day from that Sunday. And I'm here in Moab. I've been filming this TV show for nearly a week now. It is about highlining. It posits me as the camp cook, the very caring, nurturing member of the tribe that cares about what we eat, how it's prepared, and the energy behind it, and goes through the work to prepare that two meals a day for 15 people. So I have at this point on four days prepared two meals a day for 15 people, of which I eat a vegan diet and they have some kind of animal protein along with lots and lots of vegetables because the production team is nearly 60 people. 60 people. There's something like a $5 million budget on this. I've taken like... I don't know, five COVID tests. COVID negative, by the way. <laughs> it is an absolutely, I want to say alien place to be in this place in my life, to be in this headspace, to be in this physical place. But it's actually not. That's the weird thing. The weird thing is like, as you probably know by now, I have groomed myself to thrive in very powerful situations, very powerful stimulation and situations. And what I'm finding in this TV show is that I actually thrive. As I have 55 or 60 new people who I've never met, who I'm in proximity with, as I have 14 other cast members on this show, highliners, base jumpers, paragliders, performance artists that I'm living very in close proximity with. I'm liable to be filmed 24 hours a day, right? Whatever I'm doing could be shaped into some kind of story for the TV show. And this is essentially, as I've been referring to it, a social crucible. This is a pressure cooker this is how reality TV is made. You put people in stressful environments and shake up the pot. And then you make sure you have cameras on when the whole thing blows up. But what they don't know about us is that we thrive in this shit. We walk across one-inch ropes through the sky. So some cameras doesn't really throw us off. Going camping with your friends for a month doesn't really throw us off. 
my intention, my hope here is that we can actually, as a community, as a group, we can actually show them that the altered states of our minds when we're on the high line, right? I step onto a high line and I have to change how I am. I have to change how I think. My race car brain, my race car focus that like is so distractible will not walk me across the high line. I have to have some other kind of consciousness out there. It is very aware of what arises in my psyche. When I'm on a high line, I have to be hyper aware of my breath and I have to bring my attention back to my breath and my balance constantly. This is an altered state. When I get off of the high line, my hope is that the altered state that flowed through me so powerfully for however long I was on the line, the residue will stick to me and it will make an altered trait in my personality, in my being, in my consciousness. This is the lesson that I've learned from highlining. The centeredness, the focus, the patience, the awareness, the presence, the presence, the presence. The inability, like the, the awareness of my pride, the awareness of my rush, the awareness of my ego. All of these things in highlining. This is the altered state that I want to rub off on me into an altered trait so that when I'm off of the line, I can be more aware, I can be more centered, I can be more in tune with my breath. That I can see my pride, that I can see my rush, that I can see my ego and not demonize it, but just let it go so I can recenter my attention on my, on my breath, on my steps, on my balance, my posture, my breath, my balance, my posture, my breath the moment, the nowness, the nowness, the nowness. So just as I set this intention before I get on a high line, knowing that the stimulation on the line is going to be so incredibly powerful that my body is going to have a visceral flight response, that it's going to be afraid of dying, that it's going to worry about my knot, that it's going to worry about the rigging, that it's going to worry about all these different things. Just as I set an attention before an intention before I get on a high line that in the face of this powerful stimulation and these visceral fears of death, existential fears, my intention is that when I'm out there, that I will recenter my attention on my breath, my presence, and I will show up in integrity. This is my intention to be on this fucking TV show. Because I know through my own experience in production, both film and television, that it is intense. It is grueling just from a production standpoint. Just to film for 30 days in a row is just incredibly grueling. Not to mention to fly out a crew of 60 people from Los Angeles who have never been on a hike before in their lives and try to get them into some backcountry remote location where we set up a high line and do base jumps off of it. It's just like, it's a thing, man. It is a fucking thing. So, just like I set an intention to go out on a high line and be centered and present, I have set an intention for my experience on this TV show to be centered and present, even when the stimulation becomes incredibly powerful, even when the circumstances get very difficult, even when my fellow cast and crew members crumble, 
for me to show up in integrity. And that doesn't mean ignoring how I feel. It doesn't mean pushing it down. No, it means being aware. It doesn't mean like denying the fact that I have a fear of my not being tied in the middle of a 700 foot high line. No, it's just letting that come up and then recentering my awareness on my breath. It's not that I'm not annoyed by any of the cast or crew members or the fact that I'm having a camera stuck in my face when I'm brushing my fucking teeth. It's just that I want that awareness to come up of my annoyance and then I recenter my focus on my breath, on my body, on the present moment. There's some kind of meta perspective that I'd like to take in the face of this whole thing, right? So I'm doing my best here to shape this experience, this opportunity, as not one for fame, but as one for growth. I have been saying over and over, as essentially as this TV show has started, we're basically, we're the pros here, and what they want to film is our lifestyle. But they're from Los Angeles. They're, uh, the production company are the creators of Jersey Shore, which are reality TV shows where people drink and fight, which is pretty easy to film people drinking and fighting because it's in location, right? It's indoors. The people are in this house. You film them drinking and fighting. Well, when the crews are, you know, when we're rigging three high lines in a space net, we've got 15 people scattered around a, a square mile. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a acclimation period for this Los Angeles production company to learn how to follow some of the world's greatest adventure athletes, how to film it. What's the story? So in the first couple of days of the production, we have essentially the world's best athletes being cooped up in a hotel room or at camp where the production company is telling us, no, don't do that yet. We want to film that, but we need to film this first. And so we basically have to sit around and Andy Lewis just totally loses his mind. If you make him sit around Mia Noble the world record highliner, one of my best friends on the planet, is absolutely losing her shit because she has to sit around. She needs something to do. My mantra, I have a couple of mantras that I've been saying over and over and over and over and over, and I've been telling them to my friends and trying to encourage them and help them and support them. A couple of mantras. One is that I am being paid to be patient and I will highline for free. I'm being paid to be patient. And I will highline for free. So I also set the intention before this whole thing started in my journal and verbally to some of the uh, people who are closest to me, like Sarah Lockwood, who um, the intention was essentially that I was going to show up in integrity for not just the cast, who is my friends, but for the crew who I don't know. I made the joke that I was going to change their lives and I didn't mean that like as myself, I meant like this show was going to change their lives by seeing who we are as people and by showing them what people are capable of in highlining, base jumping, ziplining, creativity, rigging, lifestyle, all of this stuff. And I also wanted to show up in integrity every day to every person. And I didn't want there to be a difference. There was no separation between cast and crew, just as I want to dissolve the separation from me to you. And so I'm doing my best to do that, to show up in integrity, to support the crew 
literally the producers who are like, Ari, stop doing that. Please slow down. Let us film that. Let us get cameras in position, blah, blah, blah. And which seems annoying, right? But I don't want to push back on that. I actually want to collaborate with them. Co-create. So one of the mantras is that I'm being paid to be patient and I will highline for free. Another one of my mantras is that of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? It is a prayer somewhere in the Bible. I'm not sure what the verse is, but it is something like, God grant me the courage to change what I can, the serenity to accept what I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. God grant me the courage to change what I can, the serenity to accept what I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. It is like, that is such a powerful thing. I'm going to break it down, how I think of it, how I understand it here for you. Okay. This is essentially to say in another framework, God, the universe, what is divine, what is sacred, what is real, the cosmos, please empower my masculine side of doing, of being, of changing, of building. Please help me have the courage to shape craft, change, support. But also, please empower my feminine side of being, of accepting, of feeling, of relenting, of letting go. Please let me let go. Please help me. And with those Please show me when it is right to apply which side of me to those things. Please grant me the wisdom to know the difference between the situations where I should try and the situations where I should try to let go and accept, relent, relax. Story of our lives, right? story of our lives. I think that if you're paying attention, this is the balance. This is the dance. This is the whole fucking enchilada right here. When do I try? When do I change myself? When do I accept myself? When do I try? When do I try to help change, support someone else? When do I accept them just as they are? How do I accept them? How do I change them? How do I accept myself? How do I change myself? How do I know when it's time to change myself and when it's time to accept myself? How do I see both sides of the yin, yang, and dissolve it into one fucking gray spectrum of rainbow depth? How do I know? God grant me the wisdom to know the difference. God grant me the courage to change what I can, 
the serenity to accept what I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. I remember growing up, my mother had a coin from Alcoholics Anonymous that said exactly that on it, and it was in the car. I didn't get it then, and I'm trying my best to get it now. This is the dance. I'm trying to do the dance. I'm trying to do the dance and be patient and be accepting. In the last couple of years, I've just had a repeated lesson over and over and over that the hard parts of me, whether I relent them to the universe or not, will be pounded into a pulp. They will be crushed into a powder by life by the universe, by truth. The hard parts of me that hold on to knowing will be crushed into ambiguity. The hard parts of me that believe will be crushed into unknowingness. They will be ground into unknowingness. Whether I let go of them or not, they will be ground up. This is all um, compounding, and I'll tell you how. Uh, Back in November 2019, I was in Oaxaca, Mexico. I was filming this big bike race. It was the first commercial job I had gotten since I lost my salary with Keen Footwear, which was my dream gig, being a professional athlete, making films, traveling the world, writing, speaking, making movies, doing it all with my friends, having total creative control. Dream job. Lost the job. Took a different job making this uh, mountain bike film, which I thought was pretty rad. And then, before I came home from Mexico, my grandmother died. So I got on an airplane, went home, arrived to a familial explosion, familial wounds ripped open, the huge betrayal of my father and his marriage to a woman who abused me and abused my family and her children and my brothers and my father and continues to do so. Had to be faced. The alcoholism that runs rampant through my family, in my brothers and my mother, was brought to my, into my awareness again. My lack of safety in my family was brought into my awareness. My little brother Christian and I's relationship actually was strengthened through this thing. And since then, my relationship with my father and my brother has essentially dissolved and is on hiatus until I have bandwidth in my life and heart to deal with it appropriately, compassionately, with spaciousness. I don't have that right now, so I've gone 
into sabbatical on those relationships. I've gone into radio silence. That was in November. Um, two days after the funeral, my girlfriend and I met another woman who struck both of our fancies quite powerfully, and we changed the nature of our relationship into some kind of triadic one, experimentally, but profoundly. It was a exchange of energies between the three of us that would be accurate to say it was intravenous. It was concentrated, intravenous, powerful. Getting a phone call from a producer now. Sean, tell me. Yo, producer phone. This is Sean, man. What's going on? Recording a podcast in my room. What up? Oh, I'm so sorry, buddy. Um, your time has been pushed. Okay, shoot me a text on any updates. Yep. Thanks, Sean. See you, buddy. Okay, sorry about that. Okay. I was telling you about this new relational dynamic and the speed in which I took it in, which was intravenous, concentrated. We cooked it down and we shot it up. It lasted four months. It was fucking crazy powerful. And the fucked up part of this is that in a crazy powerful situation, I feel more like me than I ever do. In crazy powerful stimulation, I show up better than I typically do. So I feel more like myself. I feel better. Some people crack under stress. I love it. I love it. Bring it on. Nah. At some point, my girlfriend, my girlfriend's connection with this new woman had a different pace than my own connection with this woman. The dissonance between those two paces undermined the relationship entirely. And even though we ended it, it had damaged our relationship irreparably. There was a breach of trust. There was a breach of confidence. There was a threat that was allowed to come into the relationship that was too much. It's fucking too much, man. It's too much. And that's the thing. If you build a relationship for a certain purpose and then things break the trust that allow that purpose to exist, say, for example, if you are a father and you build a relationship on total monogamy, total transparency, and then you do things that aren't even stepping out of monogamy, but undermine your partner's ability to trust your commitment and ability to uphold the purpose of the relationship, you have poisoned the relationship in a way that is not always going to make it. It's not always going to ruin it entirely, but it's not always going to make it. And it seemed like in the months after this that we had made it through it because we had expended such a monumental amount of effort to 
heal our relationship. We had spent such a monumental amount of time and effort trying to heal that when we finally did feel healed, which was something like three months ago, we kind of got to a shit or get off the pot moment where we're like, okay, like tried that, didn't work, didn't fix our relationship. Are we either going to dive further into this or walk away from it? And it seemed like energetically we had both come to the realization that we were going to energetically walk away from it. And the ending was somewhat messy and painful, but I don't actually hold uh, too much resentment towards her for leaving because it seemed like we had both come to some kind of agreement on that and it was just her who pulled the ejector seat button first which is a wound in me no doubt um, but what do you fucking do what do you do so It was a couple of months ago here. I was in Washington. I was on the highlight of my summer paragliding trip to Washington with the fucking big dogs flying huge flights, set my personal record four times, flew 150 miles, eight hours, just crushing it, blissed out, totally blissed out. Met this beautiful woman who is just, yeah, a super shiny spectacle and... We hit it off, and SLW, and it, we, we set some healthy boundaries of our relationship. She had not so in the distant past had a breakup from a really long partnership that was devastating for her. And understandably so. Alicia and I were in the place that we were, which was rebuilding, inquiring, trying to fix it, trying to heal it or heal ourselves, heal each other, heal our relationship. It was kind of a messy time. There was no space for too much doubt or FOMO or questioning of my partner or anything in my mind. So I and SLW said woman made some healthy boundaries around our relationship in the term of platonic but also transparent so there was clearly a attraction between the two of us and we didn't want to reject or deny or repress that but we also wanted to how would i say honor it by speaking to it but not letting us drag us around not letting it fuck us up, slow us down in our healing, drag us through the mud, that kind of thing. So it worked. It was very confronting for Alicia and I. But essentially it's restarted my inquiry of, okay, what is my relationship to women? Because I have one woman and it's like fairly obvious what I want my relationship to her to, her to be. But there's these other women in the world that like I kind of need to get my fucking head wrapped around how I relate to other women, particularly beautiful ones, particularly beautiful ones who think I'm beautiful and who I click with and who love me and who feed me and who nourish the shit out of me, right? Who meet my needs, 
who rub my Buddha, float my boat, and get my fucking goat? It's a big question. I'll tell you right now, it's a lot easier to just say, nope, I can't have those kind of relationships. I'm going to go home to my wife. That's a lot simpler of a solution, even though over the long term it might be unsustainable. I did that for about nine years and it didn't work. I explored other, other options with Alicia and they didn't work either. They blew up our relationship. So, here I fucking am. I still am in this deep inquiry. What are my, what's my relationship to women? There happen to be beautiful women on the cast and crew who see me, appreciate me, who I show up for and who show up for me. And thank fucking God. Thank God. I so need to be around women right now. I'm so nourished by their energy and their presence. And just huge shout out to Katrina and Kylie and Alita and, these, and Kirsa, these beautiful women who show up and literally feed me. And they support me. They hug me. They kiss me. They rub my shoulders. They look out for me when I'm a little bit down and need a little uh, something. They totally have my back. And thank fucking God they're here, right? Because I'm so fed by my amazingly inspirational man friends who are here. The Spencer Seabrooks, the Andy Lewises, the Sylvans, the Homers. These guys who totally inspire me and we have a really long-standing relationship of pushing ourselves to the edge and supporting each other as we do it. So. But also we're also we're all thrown into this social crucible. And I set the intention of showing up in integrity. Who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? How do I want to support people? What do I want to eat? How do I want to feel? Got to set those intentions every day. How do I want to feel? Peaceful. Motivated. Peaceful. 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 Let me relent. Let me relent. Let me relent. Courageous. Let me change what I can. Let me change what I can. Let me change what I can. Peaceful. Let go. Let go. Let go. Powerful, let me change it. Let me change it. I can change it. I can be better. I can be better. Wise, knowing when to apply each. Mm. (sighs) Fuck, it's been so much, man. It's been so much. It's been so much already. I'm happy to record this for you. I'm happy to record this for me. This is cathartic for me. I'm an external processor. I know you know that. This podcast has been the greatest, most transformational project of my life. The mentors that I have found through this podcast have changed my life. I encourage you so much in my absence here, in my absence of creating fresh content all the time, please Go listen to the people who have changed my life on this show. John Verveke, Greg Enriquez, Peter Lindbergh, Terry Patton. There is some fucking heavy hitters on here. I have no idea how I came to connect with them, but I did. And that's what matters. 
The universe brought me here. I don't think it was my courage of changing. I don't think it was my peace in relenting. It was some kind of combination of both. The duality is dissolving by the second. I'm honored that you hold me in a regard that you would listen to some 40 minutes of my intellectual musings, my spiritual ramblings, my external processings. If you love this show, consider donating on PayPal. That's Airy in the Air. That's paypal.me slash Airy in the Air. It's been a while since I've said that. I had that really locked and loaded for a while. This podcast has changed my life. I'm so glad you're here. I really appreciate you. If there's something I can do for you, if you need my support in any way, you can email me at airyintheair at gmail.com. I try to respond to all of those. I love you so much. Good luck, my friend. Good luck. Om Shanti. Peace.